0: hello hello you are listening to center of the sun podcast your favorite culture society and science podcast thank you for listening what the heck is a minimalist living man well well i guess the title suggests that this podcast is only for men but anybody can share in today's episode so thank you for listening I'm CentraSun21 on Twitter, um, and I assume that you are here because you are curious about what minimalism, minimalist living is, and um, the whole whole idea of this struck me when I um, went to the bank about two weeks ago. Um, It was payday, and I dipped out. Um, of work around 2pm just to go to the bank, just right up the street you know, and um, I sped there, you know, I was trying to get there and back in like 10 or 15 minutes, I sped there, parked my car, didn't even turn off my car went to the ATM got my money out, and then I got back in the car (laughs) and I turned up my music because it was um, I was playing Rich Sex by Nicki Minaj I guess um, so it was like, you know, really loud and really bass. And, um, I get back in the car and I back up and I leave the little garage and I'm like, wait, what's that noise? And I thought it was my strut. I thought they were my, that noise was my struts, but it wouldn't stop making this just terrible, just terrible scraping noise it sounded like um 20,000 children are just scraping their nails on a damn chalkboard I'm like what the hell is going on so I put on my blinkers and everything and I pull off I pull off the side of the street and I'm like damn my struts are really messed up today like I know I needed new struts but I didn't think it was this bad so I walk around my car can't find anything wrong with my car and then all of a sudden I look down and I'm like my damn muffler fault off. <laughs> So um, in the time that it took to drive from work up the street to the bank, my muffler fell off. And thank God there's a freaking um, mechanic right there. So I was able to, like, scrape my muffler down the street while everyone's staring at me. And um, and they fixed my muffler or whatever and i drove away but it struck me at that time like why do i drive this old ass car what the hell is wrong with me and i went and i kind of got into like a manic thought cloud around why i make the decisions that i make and um well long story short i did find a new car that i'm going to buy in the next year um from a friend um but My whole premise of why I never replaced my car in the first place was because I don't think you should fix things that are not not actually broken. So later in this episode, I'm going to share with you um, some of my just like quick tips and tricks just like overnight that you could do in order to just practice some principles of minimalism. We're going to talk about what that is. Um I'm also gonna share with you um, how I read ebooks because last week I was talking about Google Play books and it's not it's not cool but um I'm using Amazon now and I wanted to share with you what I'm reading. so um, finally, later in the episode, what we're gonna be talking about is neuroscience still. Uh, David Eagleman, I can't get off of this this topic. We're gonna to talk about the prison industrial complex. We're gonna talk about minimalism and how, um, minimalism, the principles of it don't have to be artistic or like, uh, impo- you know, you don't have to be in poverty or, you know, all those things. There is a way, I think there's a way to share the principles of minimalism with specifically, um, people like me, young black men. <laughs> and, um, so thank you for listening and let's start with the news or damn it society okay i'm trying to get these segments together let's start with society thank you for listening Trump starts a trade war with, guess who, China. (laughs) What? So I'm reading the New York Times, um, July 6th. This was reported on July 6th, a few days ago. Uh, But the New York Times reports that President Trump has started a trade war with China. Um, I was watching Rachel Maddow the other day. Joy Reid was um, guest hosting and they basically are so China's petty petty boots so we we are t- taxing their goods and they're taxing our goods and they're, we're making it harder to exchange goods between uh, economies so um literally everything we do in America is made in China so I don't know how this is about to work um Yeah. So (laughs) the New York Times uh, says, quote, his approach has garnered support from certain corners of American industry, particularly sectors that have been significant job losses connected to China's rise. So he's doubling down on the like. i I don't i don't understand i studied business in in college so like all of this actually sounds terrible because when you study business they teach you about globalism and the importance of globalism and how it hasn't actually technically helped us more than anything but he starts a trade war with china um, only the uh, most vulnerable people in our economy in our society will suffer so as you see the stock market is still booming but unemployment just ticked up to 4% so um when our economy should be still ticking down we should be getting people should be getting more jobs not less and black people have been doing this forever um They've been the victim of these terrible public policies and these terrible petty wars with other countries. But black people endure. So I applaud. <laughs> I'm going to applaud us when we get through this next recession because it is definitely coming. In the meantime, Scott Pruitt, the uh, former environmental protection agency director he just resigned so he is like one of like 30 million people that just resigned from the damn white house again under trump this is crazy so basically he's been out here taking public money and living his best life just like that dude at howard university um no regard for anyone's feelings just doing just being a sociopath so that is enough of society i don't know if i can handle anything more than that uh so when i get tired and i get started get like anxious about the damn world i love a dystopian apocalyptic story post-apocalyptic story sorry because um it well it used to be too good to be true all these stories about like zombies and Handmaid's Tale, and all these things. So I'm I'm reading this new book by Elliot Pepper, but only with one P. Um, It's called Bandwidth. It's the first of three books. I'm about halfway through it right now. And it's all about in the future, currency is no longer paper money. It's access to information and the speed with which you access that information. It's a great book. I recommend it. It is on uh, Amazon Kindle Unlimited. They're having a free trial or whatever for three months. So if you want to get a free trial to try Amazon Kindle Unlimited, go to my website, www.centersun21.com. Or you can tweet me or email me, host at centersun21.com for more information. So what are you reading? Let me know what you're reading. How do you read your eBooks? Because traditional books, I think, are going out of the window definitely going out of the window, but it's okay. It is definitely okay. And all of this, all these new music for this damn summer, I'm excited. So I have so much media. There's so much TV and so much media going on. I don't know if I have enough time to do it. So that is pretty much everything I have for society because I can't, I can't even can't even stomach half the stuff that's going on in the world. So do your best, take care of yourself, for real. And that's why I think minimalism is a good topic. Because if you think about it, if you think about minimalism, it potentially has the ability to free up a lot of space in our minds, because there are trillions of connections in our brain, you know, synapses and things going on that we don't understand and um, but what we do understand is that we can only do one thing at a time so the brain does not have the ability to do two things at a time it works extremely quickly to do one thing at a time to make it seem like it's doing two things at a time but actually that's not true and so if you think about it if you're stressed out and you need to New information is it makes it a lot harder when you're like you have other things going on in your brain because it's taking up brain power, it's taking up electricity. So I thought that was very interesting. That um, people all the time, you know, they, they talk about the brain and the left side and the right side and da 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 and this and that. No, all of that throw it out of the, out of the window. It makes no sense because we don't know anything about the brain. So when you think of minimalism, what do you what do you think, or what do you, how do you define it? So when I think of it, it generally has always stemmed from art. So one dot on a white black you know on a white background, or like a, an interior design that is very monotone or very. I don't know monochromatic in like color scheme and like all kinds of shapes and stuff minimalism to me has always been a lifestyle like in the way that people call being gay a lifestyle like no being gay is definitely just like how your body works but choosing how you organize your life that's a lifestyle Minimalism, uh, according to GQ, so GQ magazine in the UK has a um, good article about minimalism in regard to fashion, and um, we're kind. It's becoming a misconception what it is, but they define it as a lifestyle or a way of removing everything physically and mentally. And I'm going to focus on the mental part that can be deemed as unfulfilling or not practical with the aim of enjoying a fuller life. So minimalism has stereotypically been a white thing, a white person thing, and I think I had a friend show me uh, a picture of a drug dealer um, on Facebook who I guess just came up. Congratulations. Uh, Went to Walmart or something, got a whole bunch of like junk food, put it in his house, took a picture of it, put it on Facebook, quintessential Facebook picture. And it got me thinking about, yes, people deserve happiness. Whoever you are, you, you deserve to be happy. So if buying 30,000 packs of Oreos makes you happy, by all means do that. Um, I don't care if you're a drug dealer or whatever it is, uh, do what makes you happy. At the same time, as for me and my house, I have that kind of money I would would probably make a different decision and I think given the right amount of tools we can maybe start to um, shift the way that we invest our energy in things because as you know in our society segment there's a lot of stuff going on because this is now the culture segment. Thank you for listening. In the society segment, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world and in politics and everything. It's hard to pay attention to everything. So you have to pick and choose what is the most valuable thing. And minimalism helps one do that. So GQ defines it as removing things that are not necessary in your life. There are other blogs on the internet that describe it in other ways or kind of focusing more on focusing more on decluttering and like cleaning and traveling. So basically there's a blog called Be More With Less and one of their tips is just declare a clutter-free zone in your house or on your kitchen table or something. You know, stuff like that where you can take little parts of your life and make them and minimize them. One thing that I always thought about growing up was my grandma. And I always thought she was like OCD or something, but no, actually now that I'm turning 30 and looking back at all the lessons that I learned from my family, one of the tips on this Be More With Less blog is dress with less. So whenever my grandma... Went and bought something. She was like an like a aficionado of like hats and like stuff like that. And whenever she bought something, in order to to make sure her house looked it was perfect, because she was like, you didn't wear shoes in there, you didn't walk, you know, you it was perfect. Um, it's one of those houses with plastic on the well. She didn't have plastic, but if she did, (laughs) because the plastic you have to clean that too. Um, so. But every time she, every time she bought something, she donated something to people. to People, our uh, th- our uh, donation people, and where I'm at, where I grew up at, excuse me, was called People to People, and uh, that always struck me as odd because I'm like, and one, you know, we're socialized to acquire, acquire, acquire wealth, well, you know, like we think things equal wealth, but in my family. It was a distractor and it was wasteful and it was kind of against the Bible or whatever, you know, religion I was. But, it, you know, it spoke to the principles of it spoke to the principles of Christianity that I ascribe to at the time. So minimalism is a very odd concept because it's counterintuitive to how we are raised. I apply minimalism in my life more so in the way that I nourish myself and also groom. So when I eat or when I go to Kroger, I try to minimize the amount of chemicals that I uh, consume on a daily basis because I'm like, I still am going to do bad things, but I can at least try to be better. So whenever I go to Kroger or wherever it is, Walmart, whatever... I try to stick to stuff that is or uh, has the less the least amount of additives and preservatives and all kind of stuff in it. So what I do is I use a farm co-op when I can, where I can buy directly from the farmer, prevent crop failure, all that kind of stuff. I do that. That is the best option for me because it's just as expensive as one. just as expensive as going to the grocery store but it literally is straight from the farm up the street so it's local organic all that kind of stuff same price not a big deal that is something that's a small thing that you can do try to decrease the amount of additives in your food because they're unnecessary and they're probably causing inflammation and probably making you sick in whatever way that you feel sick also I have extremely dry skin And um, it causes eczema and all that kind of stuff. So over the course of my life, I have hacked my skin (laughs) and I've tried every product. And what I realized was that the products that they sell in Kroger lotion and soap and all that kind of stuff, the first ingredient is water. The second ingredient is always alcohol. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not conducive to moisture (laughs) protection on the skin. So... Like Safari on Damn Love and Hip Hop, I use coconut oil, cold-pressed organic coconut oil on my skin. I use cold-pressed organic Dr. Bronner's oil soap, Castile soap, on my skin. I only use a certain kind of fragrance. I only use a certain kind of powder because, you know, men, sometimes we got to have a little bit extra protection. But even in my beauty routine, what I call a beauty routine... I try to minimize the amount of chemicals I put on top of my skin because that is the driving force in why I have such bad skin. So you have to realize what is the issue. You don't know... You don't know what to fix if you don't address what the actual problem is or name it first. So if you're having trouble with your diet or if you're having trouble with your skin, try to apply some principles of minimalism because... You never know. It might work. So let me know what you think. Is this a good idea? I have no idea. There are other ways to apply minimalism in your productivity. So like for school, you you can do a journal, a minimalist journal. You can do all kinds of things. Let me know what you do. How do you apply minimalism in your life? Tweet me, CenterSun21, on Twitter. Or you can email me, host at centersun21.com. Or because I'm a minimalist in the fact that I don't like I don't like the threat of security on the internet. So what I did to make it secure, because I also talk a lot about sexual health and HIV on this show, I went ahead and got a blackberry that is sitting right here in front of me. It's not over the internet, it's not, you know, it's through Sprint, whatever, or now T-Mobile, because they just sold them. But the number, uh, if you have a a confidential question or need to, um, or wanna speak with me in a more personal manner, area code 513-289-0474, that line is directly for you private line it's a blackberry it has a password and a fingerprint and everything encrypted and all that good stuff so let me know what you think about minimalism how do you apply it to your life well i'm going to tell you a little bit more of how it can be applied to something like incarceration or what i like to call a prison industrial complex of the united states of america so thank you for listening we'll be back with science Welcome back to Center of the Sun podcast. I am your host Center Sun 21 on Twitter. We're talking about the prison industrial complex today. Do you even know what I'm talking about? <laughs> well, I like to define the prison industrial complex as a common day form of slavery that is forcing specifically black men into a subculture that does not support their health or their well-being. So it's an intentional devaluation of people from the moment they're born to the moment they die. And specifically because I work with in sexual health, specifically clinical research around sexual health sex work and other behaviors um, are being criminalized. Other sexual behaviors are being criminalized because they, and then they actually perpetuate the very thing that they were created to deter. So in order to combat this racist system that everybody in, in the United States supports, because whether we like it or not, we're paying private prisons and we're funding these, Damn concentration camps we are all a part of this but David Eagleman one of these neuroscientists that I've been talking about over the course of the beginning of this show and uh, he's a neuroscientist at Stanford University he asserts in some in some YouTube videos that this even the system of this system of oppression, is, di- is in direct opposition to how the brain works and you can watch his video on my website on my blog uh, centrosun21.com uh he talks about possibilism he talks about the human senses and he talks about how we can how certain aspects of our culture are counterintuitive to how the brain works so basically he asserts that we know nothing about the brain or in the, in the little we do know is like vastly under researched. So he asserts that we have more than five senses, which we already kind of knew that. And we boiled down the senses of touch, taste. What are the senses? Touch, taste, smell, sight. Uh, touch, taste, smell, sight, and something else. I don't know. Sight, sound, hearing. Yeah. <laughs> But everyone's brain is different. And decision-making and the ability to see possible futures is different for everybody. And what I like about David Eagleman is that he is always talking about the vastness of our ignorance. And the size of the mysteries that surround us are astounding. And, and, And they are. And we can use that idea, I think what I like the most about him is that he takes that idea, the the vastness of the mysteries that surround us, um, that idea being astounding, we can apply that to literally everything in our life. And I wanna superimpose minimalism on top of, of this way of thinking because if we can decrease the distractions in our lives, Literally, there are a vast number of other things that are more important or can be potentially important to enrich our lives. And we're looking at uncharted waters. How is this not exciting to anybody? (laughs) So if I can decrease the amount of itching I do and the amount of decisions I make in the morning in regards to my wardrobe and the amount of products I buy at the store and the amount of food I eat and the amount of stomach aches I can prevent, if I can take away something, then I can start thinking a little bit deep deeper about God. And I can start thinking a little bit more deeper about myself and I can start thinking about a little little bit more deeper. I can start thinking deeper about how I interact with other people in this world and why the world seems so evil. That's what minimalism is. It's you figuring out what works best for you, decreasing the things that do not work best for you, and then allowing yourself a new way of thinking. And believe me, it frees up a lot of space in the brain. And minimalism will allow us to conserve energy to tackle, in order to tackle an idea like the prison industrial complex. It's so insidious and so pervasive that minimalism will allow one to expand knowledge in other ways. So I encourage you to create your own lane. What does that mean? Creating your own lane. Is, a, is an acknowledgement that you don't have the capacity to gander or what Or David Eagleman says he's like you can't gander past what the data states you know you can't think past what we know <laughs> you don't know what you don't know so how do you figure out what you don't know well you have to start decreasing the things that you know and you have to start eliminating the things or not decreasing the things that you know but decreasing the things that are unnecessary to to your pursuit of knowledge. One of the things that I like about David Eagleman is that he allows religion to exist, to coexist with science because we only know so much. So science and religion... He asserts that is the uh, possession of the creativity to create new stories or hypotheses to explain the world. So science is this mechanism through which we explain the world and through storytelling. Maybe that storytelling is through numbers and through uh, observations and things of that nature, but it's still a story. Religion is the same thing. It's just on on the other end of the spectrum. It's the possession of the ability to tell stories and to tell and to share history with other humans. By doing this, you accept ambiguity. By doing this, you um, you allow yourself to just to take a load off, you know. One of the things that David Eagleman says in, in these YouTube videos that I have on my website um, on my blog are that uh, having religion is inherently atheist, <laughs> which is actually ironic. And it's really petty to say, yeah, because I'm like, yeah, if you believe in God, there is also a God that you do not believe in, which is also considered atheism. So you know what atheism is if you have a religion because you also don't believe in something else Possibilianism allows one to explore different ideas while importing the tools of science so if you have an idea that you think is true about the supernatural world you can import the tools of science to prove or disprove your point so basically, you're a product of your culture. And because everyone's body is different, and as we spoke about in previous episodes, the chemical processes in your body are unique to you. And we don't know the extent to which those chemical processes in our body, the amount of times the blood is passes through your veins, the amount of proteins that are exchanged between uh, neurons in your brain, you know, those chemical processes, every time you poop, that chemical process. We don't know why our bodies operate the way that we do, but we know there's a pattern. And we know that that pattern is unique to your body. Again, we don't have the ability to think past the information that we have so how do you know what you don't know so I want I want to encourage you to use this way of thinking to structure how you devise answers and that is minimalism to me because you take what you do know for sure the body definitely has more than five senses everyone's body is different The size of the mysteries that surround us are astounding. Therefore, we have a a directive to seek answers. And also, we don't have the capacity to gander past the data we possess. So you need to use that, those four things, as a basis, as as a foundation for understanding the prison industrial complex and minimalism (laughs) so I want to encourage you to read up a little bit more about David Eagleman before we talk about the present industrial complex because what he he calls it the possibility in spirit because it's not really a, a religion it's more of a neutral thought process in which he encourages you to never subscribe to anything because certainty is nearly impossible First, any idea is possible. Anything goes at first, but you don't start, you don't stop there. You have to import the tools of science to learn more. And then you create the space for other possibilities and then you begin the process of elimination. Make sense? Until you have achieved your answer, you need to remain neutral in order to complete that idea or theory. So we know for certain. magnitude of things we do not know and personally i want to figure it out to the best of my ability what is going on with this world why does it work the way that it works so 90 percent in prior in prior episodes we talked about the resident microbiota also at stanford i'm just like in love with stanford maybe i need to work there But at Stanford University, there's a lab called the Sonnenberg Lab. And they're they're, they're researching the different ways in which our bodies react to what they call the resident microbiota or the trillions of bacteria that live in our body that we host that help us live and we help them live. It's a symbiotic relationship. And 90% of our bodies are bacteria only 10 percent of the human cells or this sorry only 10 percent of the cells in the human body are human cells the other 90 percent are bacteria or resident microbiota so you know they're important um we also know if we so if we look inside of our bodies 90 percent are not us If we look outside in the world, in the universe, we know 90% of the universe also is not physical or able to be observed by our eyes. We also call that dark matter. There's a force that's keeping everything together that we know zero about. We have a name for it, just like the resident microbiota. But we do not know anything about our universe or our own selves. But we have a really good way. We have a very interesting way of distracting ourselves or making things seem important that are not important. And we don't know how the brain works just like we don't know how the universe works, but we're discovering new senses all the time in the brain. Does that make sense? So I'm here to create a new narrative. Um, I want to create a more accurate exploration of these new ideas. And as David Eagleman Eagleman asserts, we're trying to live a life free of dogma. Because you can't really be alive if you're living for someone else's ideas. So getting back to the brain, brains are tens of billions of neurons. It's this weird organ, it's super dense, we know nothing about it, it's literally locked in darkness and silence. And if you take one little cubic centimeter of brain matter, that um, is equivalent to about those, the amount of connections in one cubic centimeter of brain matter is the equivalent to um, the number of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. So I have no idea how many stars in the Milky Way galaxy, but I know it's a lot. And if you take one little small part of your brain, that's how many microscopic connections there are in that one little cubic centimeter. So multiply that by the size of the brain. Three, three pounds of guts and blood and tissue but it's the literally the basis of every decision that we make it is our that's us our brain is is us and we know that because if you get in an accident or suffer traumatic brain inju- injury your personality changes your decision making changes so your brain is who you are and whether or not there's a spirit superimposed on that or a higher power affecting that or whatever it is, we don't know. The vastness of our ignorance is astounding. But we do know that it's an that it's a complex, invisible system. And David Eagleman talks about this on his YouTube, on these YouTube videos that I have on centrosun 21com And there's these electrical signals that Control every process of our body without our knowledge so your breathing, your heartbeat, your muscles your guts, your genitals you know, your arousal all that kind of stuff recognizing faces loving somebody talking all these things are invisible but it's lit as fuck like super litty like, come on but we know nothing about these complex systems other than that everybody has their own way of, of um, or their own unconscious patterns their own unconscious chemical processes in their bodies and your senses, your ideas, your memories we're going to call that your unconscious brain or or, um, I like to call the second spirit <laughs> but your, your subconscious your, or your unconscious brain and this unconscious brain is collecting sensory information around the world. So, every time you walk outside, you're not aware of it, but you feel the breeze on your face, you hear the you hear the trees moving in the leaves and you hear the birds chirping and you hear your feet going on the ground, but you don't recognize you don't you're not aware that you're collecting this information. Your body is like a tape recorder. This unconscious part of the brain is like a computer. So if you walked around with a tape recorder, it would record everything, you know, and you don't have to actively touch anything or do anything, it just records it. And the thing about the brain, as opposed to a tape recorder, you have to press a button or you have to rewind it, and it takes 30 seconds to rewind that tape. But in the brain, you recall that information nearly instantaneously. So your body is constantly recording all of these millions of different little data points. And then it puts it all together as a memory and then allows you to recall it in pretty much instantaneously. And it doesn't matter what level of human you are or what kind of human you are. We are fucking genius. Isn't that fucking cool? So, if you're walking around and your body is just recording all this sensory information on top of the conscious brain, which is the loving and the talking and the decision-making, all those things, in the background it's just collecting information and you're synthesizing it through your frontal cortex, through your frontal lobe or whatever it is. I don't know anything about the brain. But I know that there's this massive level of engineering that is going on. And I I call that the, the second spirit because I think that there's a way to speak to your body. And those unconscious signals change how you perceive the world. So if it's hot outside, how you perceive the world is going to be different than if it's cold outside. Those chemical processes in the brain directly impact your decisions. And though in that... Part of our body is alien to us. We open up our skull. We look at the brain. We're like, what the fuck? (laughs) How do we, how do you get from a mushy three pound brain to center of the sun podcast? How does that happen? Well, the data proves that there's this unconscious egotism that is happening. So there's patterns, you know. We tend to um, self-select and self-sort, and we seem to, you know, this ego. We have this sense of me, I, I am alive, and this inherent egotism is also what drives our decisions. So we have this subconscious part that's driving our decisions. Every little sound, every little touch, every little temperature change infects our decisions. And then we have this also this inherent egotism on top of that, making the decisions or taking that information that we collect from the world and making a decision or making a decision about what happened. Because what also what David Eagleman asserts is that not only does our brain uh, predict possible futures, it also synthesizes the information that it already has. Um, what he calls post And we know these things are true or we have an idea that these things are uh, real ideas or real ways that our brain works because when you suffer a traumatic brain injury, you can completely change. Like you will be go, you'll go from a priest or somebody who's a spiritual leader to somebody that's murdering people or a pedophile, you know, like you'll, You you can suffer significant changes to your personality if you change your brain. So if your environment is not ideal, and you're tied to your biology in that way, because your environment—if you grow up with you know in different intersections of class, race, gender, sexuality, gender expression—if your environment is not safe your decision-making will change. And you're tied to your biology. And how do you know that? Because you smoke cigarettes, you drink alcohol, you do cocaine, you go shopping, you eat 20-piece hot wings of KFCs, talking to myself right now. Uh, You try to hack your body and try to change the way that you are making a decision through drugs, alcohol, and all these external factors and those are other ways those are ways to hack your body to make you feel better or make you make a decision that makes um, or that makes your conscious mind feel better and, what, and we call that free will humanity is special because we have that ability to be more advanced in our consciousness so if you, like a dog and a bird and all those things, we have, we think they're sentient beings, but we know for sure that we are sentient beings because we can hack our biology and make ourselves do things that are counterproductive or more productive, depending on how you think of it, to our pursuit of knowledge. We have the, we have the ability to make better decisions than just the run of the mill organism, but free will does not have free will does not, we don't have as much free will as we think we do David Eagleman talks about sexuality and you can't really change your sexuality, you can't really change your fight or flight response you really can't change a lot of things once they're locked in You know, like after you're five years old once your brain is kind of locked in the practical reasoning and your free will kind of go hand in hand so David Eagleman asserts that the brain is in the amalgamation of your genetics and your environment the nature versus nurture the neuroscience or the intersection of neuroscience and the legal system is actually very particularly interesting because we know these things about our body but then we go and treat people like They're supposed to act a certain kind of way, even though we know how it works. So you want people to live in squalor and not break the law, or you want people to starve to death and not steal food. Um, It doesn't make any sense because we are bound by our biology. So we will make decisions based on our biology generally first. And then our brain, our conscious brain will come in and say, well, no, Donald Trump said no. So I'm not going to protest racist public policy today. So we need to, in order to... What David Eagleman asserts in his YouTube videos, instead of decreasing the behaviors, so instead of stopping people or deterring people from breaking the law, why don't we prevent the demand for the subversive behavior in the first place. Demand reduction. So instead of punishing people for doing drugs, decrease the demand for people to want to do drugs. Stop people from wanting to shoot up like we do now with Suboxone and Methadone all those things. You're decreasing the demand. But it had to take a white people's <laughs> epidemic for us to think about well maybe if we stop the signals of like the reward of like doing heroin maybe people will stop doing heroin instead of throwing them in jail but black people never got that damn mercy so i'm gonna apply it to black men now and if we adopt those same principles of minimalism and demand reduction and just think looking very specifically at how the brain works, we can control. If we control how we distract ourselves, we can start making these huge social changes that actually really revolutionizing the prison industrial complex because it needs to be it needs to be uh, d- destroyed. And I want to assert very much and in perpetuity that we as humans, specifically men, specifically black men, specifically black men who have sex with men, and very specifically black gay men, the most amazing thing in the universe is us. We are culturally iconic. We are the center of the sun. We are the drivers of a lot of cultural things but yet we are the drivers of the prison industrial complex as well we are the, the gasoline and not the driver we're the, we're the fuel but we deserve to know as much as we can so how do you get to that place minimalism minimalism So, we talked about neuroscience. We talked about how we're locked to our biology. One more thing I wanted to explain, excuse me, <clears throat> that David Eagleman, and I think this is a very important part of these YouTube videos that I pulled from some of his lectures, and he talks about the umwelt. U as in unicorn, N, M as in mom. B as in Victor, E as in Eagle, L as in Lamb, T as in Tom. Umbel. I'm gonna look it up. Oh, no, sorry. Let me, let me spell it again. U as in Unicorn, M as in Mom, W as in Wonder, E as in Eagle, L as in Lamb, T as in Tom, and it's the world experienced by that particular organism so if we think about bats or birds or dogs their umwelt is their reality and I'm saying it umwelt because it's German so the W is a V I don't know stupid but think about the umwelt of a human your reality is only you know what you experience and um, generally my umwelt's been disrupted. And that's what prompted the center of the sun podcast because there are a lot of things that are bothering me and distracting me from from really figuring out why this world is so freaking evil and i want to use minimalism to maximize my ability to ex- to examine the world and decrease the amount of unnecessary inputs I experience so I want to learn more about the prison industrial complex but I can't because I have so many things distracting me so in order to do that in order to make sure that my reality is not disrupted I take a really good antidepressant (laughs) you know I think antidepressants generally do not work for me but I found one that works for me if you want to learn more about that email me host at centriston21.com I'll give you the business on what I take and um, but basically our brains are so complex that that one little cubic centimeter of brain matter that has trillions of, con- of connections equal to the Milky Way galaxy the number of stars in the Milky Way galaxy when we When we try to maximize our ability to examine the world, um, our brains just take the information that we give it and figure it out. So David Eagleman was um, talking about like brain implants and stuff like that. But I thought about, oh, my God, I give myself a pill every day. And that pill says on the on the bottle, we don't know how this works, but it just works. So if we give our brains good information, it'll eventually figure out what the hell to do with it and then create a pattern or create a memory to allow you to continue seeking answers. So our brains figure out how to use different inputs. So if we give our brain, if we control our environment to the point that we don't have cussing over here, we don't have violence over there, generally Our brains will figure out what to do with the information that it does have, and then it'll be able to make a better decision. So if we try to hack our body with alcohol instead, you know, we make a decision based on alcohol. If we make a decision based on affirmations and telling our bodies that we are loved and we are kings and we are all these things, maybe our decision making will be different. And the brain doesn't care where you get the signals from or where you get the inputs from. If it's music or if it's gaming or whatever it is, it doesn't care where it gets it from, but it's only trying to do something with it. So you're smart even if you don't think you know you're smart because your brain is literally like a computer and it's just, it's taking information. It's taking that second spirit. It's taking that sensory information and figuring out what to do with it, and making this, and basing this future decisions on what it experienced. So, your brain wants you to survive and thrive, and process, and work, and think, and unlock the patterns and compute. And we need our, um, sorry, we need for our consciousness, or we need the conscious intervention, um, to be consistent and basically we need to expand our reality we need to expand our umwelt and we live in a world of information and i propose we, we adopt minimalism in order to do that so if we think about young black men and the prison industrial complex and the way that the u.s government takes children Bases their trajectory in life on their third grade reading rates, puts police officers in schools. Jaden Smith talked about this. We make this we make the we make the bells and the walls white and the recess and all that kind of, you know, we structure children in order to prepare them for either work or for jail. That is the prison industrial complex. And black men are always in jail or the majority of them and that's probably why I can't find a husband because he's in jail for something he probably didn't need to go for or probably needed intervention in some other way so if you start nurturing the body nurture yourself nurture yourself and see what happens let me know what minimalism is to you will you do you think you'll apply it in some way let me know. Email me, host at centersun 21com Also, area code 513-289-0474 is my secure line for you to contact me in the event that you have a question.